but I was always very clear, like personally, it was not my business. It was my fun thing. Um, I was not like putting stakes in how much money the course earned, um, but it was just always, it was a monetized side hop hobby. And I was very clear on its place in my life. And that was it. Mike McDermott founded FreshBooks, a company that now reportedly brings in over $50 million in revenue each year because he saved over an invoice he was working on for his internet marketing consultancy. But Mike didn't quit his existing business to start a new one. He started building it on the side. And well before FreshBooks started making, well, really any measurable amount of money per month, he figured out a way to devote 80% of his time to making that company and his solution for small business owners like him a reality. He made the new company his top priority, even though it wasn't paying his bills. Now, this probably seems pretty counterintuitive. Don't you want to prioritize what's making you money? Sure. Prioritize what's making you money if it's what you want to continue doing and has the potential to grow into the kind of company you really want to run. But that wasn't the case for Mike. He saw the potential of FreshBooks long before anyone else did. He knew that FreshBooks wasn't just a great idea. It had the potential to far exceed the earning and impact potential of the business he was currently running. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations with small business owners about how they actually run and grow their companies. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Now, today's show isn't about Mike, but you can get the full scoop on what worked to get FreshBooks off the ground in the early days and what worked to reinvent it when they needed to leap ahead of the market in episode 152. But Mike's story is the perfect introduction to Brittany Berger's story. You see, Brittany is all in on the seed she's planted, just like Mike. And just like Mike, it's not her primary source of revenue yet. However, the seed she's watering and tending to has the potential to grow into a big venture. Brittany Berger is the founder of Work Brighter, a digital media company that helps productive unicorns go beyond working smarter to a vision of productivity that makes room for unproductive things like rest, self-care, and fun. Work Brighter currently publishes a weekly newsletter and hosts a membership community full of resources and templates. One of the things that stood out to me most about our conversation was how clear-eyed Brittany was about her priorities for growing this company. While she's still earning income as a content marketing consultant, Brittany knows that Work Brighter is her future. It's her primary focus. Brittany and I talk about how Work Brighter got started, why she treats it more like a software business than a content business, and how she creates her weekly newsletter. We also talk about her business model and why she chose to focus on building monthly recurring revenue. Now, let's find out what works for Brittany Berger. Brittany Berger, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I think I just squeaked, but that means I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we're going to have lots of squeaking today because I'm excited about this conversation too. Um, and I'm excited to hear about sort of the, the genesis behind this project, this newsletter that you've been working on and how it's really grown into being uh, your main focus in your business. So let's just start at the beginning. What inspired you to create the Work Brighter newsletter? <laughs> I started it for so many reasons, literally none of which were to have a full-time business eventually, and yet here we are. Um, but so I was working full-time in content marketing, and so at the time, I mean, my job was just all writing and content creation and uh, basically a lot of the things that you would do to market an online business, uh, but I was also starting to freelance more for other companies like my employer. 
Um, and so I wanted a project that I could kind of just, you know, use to market my freelance business. Uh, however, I was already, because of my day job, I was already, you know, writing, you know, my opinions and takes on content and everything. I was writing about that already elsewhere. So I was like, what am I going to use my website for? if not like that traditional stuff or, you know, how am I going to build an audience? Uh, and I had tried writing a productivity blog before, just since I've always been really into that. Um, but I was writing so much at my day job that I knew I wouldn't be consistent with like a full out blog and regular original content creation of my own. Uh, and at the time I was really inspired, I still am, uh, by companies like The Skim and other millennial focused newsletters. And I just, I really loved the idea of doing a curated newsletter on productivity because it was, you know, a chance for me to like write the intros and the commentary. I could still hone my voice and get some writing in, but it what didn't feel as big as a blog post. Um, I also really found a lot of the traditional productivity advice really boring. And that's where the name uh, work writer comes from is because work smarter sounded boring. And it was just kind <laughs> of it kind of became like a personal snarky mantra uh, that I said to myself as a comeback to work smarter when it started to feel really cliche, like don't just work smarter, work brighter. And so that's just where the name for the newsletter came from. And originally it was just kind of me rounding up my favorite serious productivity advice and putting the brighter Bieberg spin on it. And that's what it was every week. And it kind of evolved from there. I love that. So I love that you mentioned uh, the skim and some of the other sort of millennial focused newsletters that are out there and that have gotten really popular. And many of them are like multi-million dollar businesses, which is kind of shocking to me from someone who remembers old email, <laughs> you know, and has been around since uh, online business owners started using email marketing because there was a time before that happened. Um but anyhow, I love that you mentioned that that was that there was inspiration there for you. I'm curious when you look at newsletters like The Skim or The Hustle or um you know one I get is The Daily Carnage, were there certain things that you knew you wanted to replicate and were there certain things that you knew you wanted to avoid? Um I knew that I wanted to avoid just kind of the boring curation that doesn't add much to it. I wanted to give people a reason to follow me and not just go straight to the sources that I was curating. Um, and so that's specifically something that I really loved about the skim is that they are very great at taking information written in one tone and just completely translating it while keeping the information there. Uh, and that's, like I said, a lot of what I did in the original days when I was uh, doing more curating and less creating for WorkBrighter is that I really was just taking like boring, serious stuff that I knew a lot of my friends had no interest in, but they were still interested in becoming more productive and kind of just talking conversationally explaining how to be more efficient and, you know, how to work better and brighter uh, just in the words I would normally use. So that was a big thing that I focused on. That's brilliant. That really shows how much you were thinking about actually creating value, because I, I think often, you know, people worry about curation as something that doesn't really add value. It just, you know, it's almost like it extracts value, right? Because you're using someone else's work to build up your own profile. But your explanation there just shows how 
how smart you were about thinking through how am I actually going to create value here? How am I going to make this information more valuable, more useful, more effective than it was before? So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, okay. So what were some of the initial steps that you took to get this newsletter off the ground? Oh, well, it's hard to remember exactly since it really was just such a let's try this and see type of thing. Um, but at the time, my job was really focused and like my area of expertise was really focused on lead magnets and uh, creating a system for the company I worked at to uh, launch new lead magnets really frequently. And so I probably just treated it like that. Like, I know I wrote um, emails and a bunch of tweets, whereas Twitter has always been my most active social network. Uh, I was using MailChimp since it's, well, since it's what I was familiar with at work. And I just had a basic page on my site with info and a sign up form. And I turned that into the focus of my website instead of this blog that I was never updating. Gotcha. Um, all right. So then how did that newsletter at the time, uh, because like you said, you, you were working in a full-time job um, and you, but you had all this expertise and I know that you sort of started to transition into a more freelance consulting business. How did Work Brighter actually help you build up that business and, and find your sweet spot there? So I really used Work Brighter, number one, to attract like the audience of my ideal clients. It was just other people like me working in marketing at tech companies and online businesses. Uh, it's kind of my niche has just always been, you know, B2B online businesses just by by randomness. It was my first job ever out of college and I stayed here. Um, and it was also kind of my project showing people uh, that I could build an audience from the ground up. Because at the time, a lot of my visibility and uh, the way people were finding me were through my day job. since It was a pretty well-known company in the software and startup marketing space. But people were finding me through there, but they didn't actually have that much in common with that company. And so Work Brighter was kind of the business that had more in common with my ideal clients and using tactics that I would use in Work Brighter with my clients versus uh, my day job was more like at the scale up phase, they were venture funded and stuff like that. Um, and so I found a lot that, you know, not only was it building the audience, but I, with Work Brighter and growing that, that's where I was able to get on initial calls with clients or prospective clients and give them ideas and being like, oh, well, you have this problem. When I had that problem with Work Brighter, here's what I did. Gotcha. And how did you... How did you even make it known that that was something that you had available, that you were that you were open <laughs> for business on those kinds of services? Um, like I said, I have been lucky with uh, earning a lot of visibility through the company I worked for. Um, and so I had a very strong personal brand just from that. Um, I was the main content creator as well as the PR spokesperson for mm. this pretty visible company. So I'm not going to lie. I was very lucky in that regard because I just like had this personal brand already built by the time I decided. I wanted to freelance and do this stuff. Uh, so it was really just a matter of letting the audience and contacts that I already had know. I'm not going to lie. I lucked out there. That was not strategic. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that, sure, you were in the right place at the right time, but you don't just get a really strong personal <laughs> brand when you're working for another company, right? That is something that you're actively cultivating. And sure. I think that a lot of people don't think about actually 
utilizing the networks that they're already a part of, right? They think, oh, I got to, no one knows what I, who I am or what I do. So I need to go out and I need to meet new people instead of realizing, no, there are people all around me who might be interested in this thing, whether that's a personal existing personal network or in your case, an existing business network. I think just even identifying that that was an opportunity yeah. is really smart and not something everyone does. <laughs> true, true. I do always say, I said this on another podcast last week that like everyone feels like to get started, they have to decide a niche. Like, why don't you just make your niche the last industry you worked in? It's there. You yeah. have the expertise. That's what I did. And I'm still there. Like I said, I just randomly fell into B2B marketing in my first job out of college and I'm here a decade later. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Okay. So how has Work Brighter evolved over the four years that you've been running it? Oh, so much. It was ridiculous. Um, (laughs) I never really had an idea of what it would be, um, but it still all really feels like to make sense. Like, for example, these days I'm really focused on not just the productivity, but balancing productivity with unproductivity, as I like to call it, and self-care. And I realized that back in 2014, even before I started Work Brighter, I wrote a whole huge series for my day job at the time on work-life balance. Um, and so it's just kind of kind of the thing that it just really re- reflects my whole journey. And so it evolves as I keep moving on. Um, so like I said, originally, it was just really focused on straight up productivity, uh, really a lot of tech tips and automation stuff. Um, I love geeking out on automation and uh, we use Zapier a ton at my day job. And so I kind of became an expert in the freelance space on using Zapier and had a course about that. Um, So yeah, so here and there, I would like write a blog post. Um, I was getting known for Zapier and automation, uh, again, because of my day job. Uh, And so I started seeing a gap in talking about like basic admin workflow automation. Everyone loves talking about how freelancers and small business owners can like automate sales and stuff to make more money. But like no one talks about like how to reduce time spent in your inbox. Like you don't need to hire a VA to handle your inbox if all they're going to be doing is like going through and deleting a bunch of stuff. Like that can be (laughs) automation um, and stuff like that. And so that, so that was when it really started focusing on um, automation for freelancers and solopreneurs. And I actually launched a course around that. But I was always very clear, like, personally, it was not my business. It was my fun thing. Um, I was not like putting stakes in how much money the course earned. Um, I was like accepting I had a few times I had a sponsor for Workbrighter. I did experiment with some of that. Um, but it was just always it was a monetized side hop- hobby. And I was very very clear on its place in my life. And that was it. Um, And it wasn't until last summer that I decided to go all in that I really I was working with a coach and a business strategist. And that's when I really found the the message and what it's really about with the balancing productivity with unproductivity, uh, since I am so obsessed with productivity and tech and being more efficient. But I'm also um, I'm also have a lot of chronic illness, mental illness. I cannot realistically work that much. Um, and yeah, so that's when I kind of put it all together and went all in on things. And um, I started building out the separate website for it to really move it out of the shadow of my personal brand and everything on my personal site. 
Um, so I launched the new site. I launched the first like real work writer product since the course I had always called it separate. Um, and so I launched that membership community and yeah, I really look at it as a digital subscription and I kind of look at it as a software company since memberships and SaaS companies have a lot in common and it's what I know. And so that's how I'm trying to look at it. Oh, I love that. Okay, there are so many things that I want to <laughs> dig into a little bit further there. Um, but the but I want to actually take a step back and okay. get a little nitty gritty with you. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you can describe how the how the way the newsletter looks has changed. So what did like that very first or the first few work brighter newsletters look when they showed up in people's inbox? And how has that changed over time? What do they look like now? Sure, it's always been really basic. Um, the first the original was just kind of a basic MailChimp template where it did look like a newsletter, but it wasn't like heavy formatting. It was just like a banner image and then some different sections. Um, I'm big on using images strategically. So I only use an image where it makes sense. So there was no like set format with like, here's an icon and stuff like that. Um, then when I moved over to ConvertKit, their default is uh, more... Uh, as a more basic default. So I've always just kind of gone with the defaults. Um, it's never really been about the format, but more about the content. Uh, however, I am planning on redesigning it right now and giving it like a planned strategic design for the first time ever, because I am sending my list a lot of emails outside of the um, outside of like the namesake newsletter, uh, now that I do have like products and stuff associated, you know, um, and so I want the newsletters to stand out more from the other emails. So I'm working on, um, a more, a more organized and kind of signature look. Fantastic. I think that probably, I I hope anyway, that listeners (laughs) are thinking right now, like, Oh, I've got like four or five years until I need to figure this (laughs) out. Yeah, I think they hold so many people back from starting something small, right? Or 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 taking a, that first small step on an idea is they think they've got to have it all figured out, or they think it has to look super fancy or professional right out of the gate. And and it should, I think, things should be professional. Things should have some. They should be tidy and clean, right? But at the same time, that's actually really easy to achieve if you, like you said, if you just stick with the default. Yeah. Um, but I also love that that you're you're kind of investing further now in what it looks like and and how that might be strategically relevant to you as well. We'll find out Brittany's workflow for creating her weekly newsletters in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about the What Works Network and our What Works partner, Mighty Networks. Now here at What Works, we're crazy about sharing the ins and outs, ups and downs of how small business owners run and grow their businesses. And we know it can be incredibly hard to come by the honest to goodness truth about the marketing, operational or product development systems that power successful businesses. But it's just this kind of nitty gritty information you crave. You know that you don't need to reinvent the wheel to create a business that works for you, but you do need a little more information than you have now. That's where the What Works Network comes in. In the network, you become a part of ongoing conversations about exactly how things work when it comes to business models, social media, service delivery, technology, tools, and more. Our members share transparently, candidly, and generously, and you can too. 
We help you fill in the gaps in your small business education. We help you find answers to ungoogleable questions. We help you stay focused on target and optimistic about your next steps. The What Works Network gives you access to friendly, practical, and radically honest conversations about how small business works. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can take advantage of a special seven-day free trial when you join before Friday, April 26, 2019. If our community, candid conversations, and experienced members aren't exactly what you need to move your business forward on your own terms, just cancel your membership before the trial is over and never pay a cent. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash network to find out more and join us. That's explorewhatworks.com slash network. What Works is also brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses like yours that bring people together. You started your small business with an idea and it's grown and grown. And now that you've built programs, events, online courses, or even a community, you realize that this growth has gotten a little out of hand. Your work and your customers are spread out over a bunch of different tools and platforms. Your content lives in a few different places. Your community hangs out somewhere else. Your products have grown up on yet another platform and your payments, well, they're all over the place. Starting a Mighty Network can change all that. Mighty Networks makes it easy to bring your content, products, community, events, and payment processing all together. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We share exclusive content, interact with members using questions and polls, host events like our virtual conferences, and accept membership fees. Mighty Networks has made our whole business tidier. Start growing your business all in one place and finally see what your seed can grow into. Go to MightyNetworks.com to get started. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. Um, okay, so I want to I want to dive a little further into um, this productivity versus unproductivity angle, um, and I'd love to see how that intersects. You know what you mentioned about having chronic illness and mental illness and your actual ability to work. So I'm wondering what. What does your workload for this newsletter look like? How much time do you spend in a given week actually putting the thing together? And then how much time do you actually spend on the sort of underlying business side of things underneath the newsletter? Sure. So this is, again, where curation really comes in handy because uh, I can write it in about an hour and a half. And it's just kind of my my Sunday wow. morning ritual now. Um, I just I curate content like that I read throughout the week. I've got a huge backlog just in my pocket app uh, of different things tagged with what category they are. And so I just uh, Sunday mornings, I, you know, have my breakfast and it's just kind of my relaxing for fun content creation where I go through, pick out some pieces and write up what I think about them. And then the intro is usually something about my week and a lesson that can be pulled from it. Um, but again, I am a writer by, um, like by profession and I love it. And uh, I'm not slow at it. So it takes about an hour and a half. Um, yeah. And other than that, um, I am really, really focused on growing it slowly right now um, because of the health stuff that I mentioned. Um, so right now I still am earning a lot from my freelance side and my personal business. Um, I just am now all in on 
the idea and the goal of work brighter more so my time and my paycheck. Um, but yeah, so right now I work on it, I would say, um, maybe an hour or two a day between moderating and creating content for the membership community, um, managing the marketing channels. Um, I'm kind of taking a break from new content creation right now, which has to do with the, again, the way that I use work brighter as uh, an example of the things I teach on my consulting business. Um, So I teach not constantly creating content. So that's what I'm going through right now, season of optimization and repurposing. Um, So yeah, I'm taking a break from that. So it's really not a lot of time. Um, and right now I'm focused on getting it to 1500 MRR. Nice. Yeah. And so I think, you know, reaching that in, in the first six months without any big launches is something, something great. And that proves it's something to continue doing. And yeah, I'm growing slowly. Um, right now I spend what time I have on it, but Uh, My health comes first. I say that now that my business is my full-time job, self-care is my side hustle. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That is like, I'm sure you have that in a meme somewhere or something, but that is so perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. That's an Instagram quote, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. And I really love that you made the distinction between being all in on this from an idea and uh, goal standpoint versus being all in on this as in, this is the only way I'm making money. (laughs) And that it is completely possible to be 100% or not 100% focused, but to be pointed in, uh, in the direction of growing a what has been a small idea into something big into something self-sustaining but still give time and energy to the things that pay your bills even if that's not directly related um to to that other goal and i think that's again that's a place a lot of people miss the mark when they're trying to take something small and grow it into a bigger venture. Exactly. And um, I did make tons of changes to my freelance business in order to make more space for work brighter when I decided to go all in. Um, And I've completely optimized it so that work brighter can be like the focus of my mind and my focus while still, you know, maintaining the stable income from my freelancing. Okay, I can't not ask about that. Um, What kind of changes did you make to your freelance business to be able to go all in on the idea and goal of Work Brighter? Uh, So I let go of a lot of clients or well, I never had like a ton since it was so focused on ongoing content creation. But um, I had five clients and I let go of three. So there are now only two companies that I really write for on an ongoing basis and like just really help own and implement their whole content marketing. Um, and so other than that, I've been um, just replacing the those other three clients with content, with uh, work writer stuff, as well as courses and challenges, uh, you know, which obviously take a lot less time um, and consulting because that's like, I do have to plan that carefully because of my health issues. But like if I can knock out like a consulting call a week where I'm just on the phone for an hour as opposed to spending four or five hours on a freelance post and make the same from it, uh, that frees up a ton of time for Work Brighter. 
Super helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's see, where do I want to go from here? There's, I'm like, there's so many different points in this conversation that I could go further in. I'm a little, I'm feeling honestly a little scattered in this interview right now. So I'll just own that. Um, all right, let's talk about, you, you know, you said that you are really focused on organic growth for Work Brighter right now. What are some of the things that you're doing to grow your subscriber base? Sure. So I have a welcome sequence that is seven emails. And at the bottom of each, um, instead of the normal buy a product, um, I'm very big on not having hard sales pitches and just having like organic ones. So since I probably already mentioned my product in the email somewhere where just wherever it fell into conversation, I use the PS uh, to when someone's first joining and really excited, um, I ask them to share the newsletter with a friend. Um, so that's one thing I'm working on getting a more, uh, a more organized kind of referral system up. Like I know a lot of companies like the skim and the hustle, that's what really, really helped yeah. with them. Um, other than that, I focus a lot on SEO for the work writer website. Now that it is its own standalone thing. Uh, since again, that normally would not be the easiest thing, but it pulls into my expertise from my day job. And I know I can make content rank and I know that, uh, know that that's something that I can do fairly quickly. So I'm focused on creating some new content based on stuff inside the clubhouse. And I am focused on a lot of like PR and visibility stuff right now. Uh, like stuff like this, uh, last week I actually had my first real thing where I was representing myself as the founder of work writer rather than like Brittany Berger of Brittany Berger. Um, so like PR season on work writer has officially started. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I am so scattered in this interview <laughs> because I'm so excited about all of it. And the, and I think the unique way that you're thinking about things, which, so I want to get to your business model, but I want to continue along the line a little bit of this, of what I think is a pretty unique way, especially in what I would consider like the online small business space, your unique way of approaching this. And it comes back to something that you mentioned eh, about halfway through our conversation, which is that you're really thinking of this as a software company, mm -hmm. as opposed to a lot of the models that we see in the online small business world. Um, and I'm sure that you have, because of, you know, because you've developed the membership site, because you have the online courses, I'm sure that you have familiarity in that area. Oh yeah. Is it possible for you to kind of compare and contrast how you're approaching this in terms of it being a software company or a subscription-based company versus what a lot of people think of when they think online small business? Sure. And yeah, this was not like an easy place to get to. It took uh, working with my amazing business strategist. I think you know Nevika Vasquez. Oh, I do. <laughs> And it took her telling me so many times that like, you know how to run a certain kind or like, you know how to grow like this kind of business. But like, I went to her originally, not even like planning to grow work brighter. I went to her with help with my personal brand and my freelancing and the whole, you know, thinking that I would come up with a more traditional personal brand personal brand online influencer type of model, uh, I really did think that's what I'd end up with because that's what I saw and that's, you know, what's around us. But 
Um, and, you know, talking about my strengths and what I know and what I'm interested in, uh, we really did just land on like, well, a membership is an MRR focused product, just like a software company. And I saw a blog post that did kind of make the connection for me originally. I forget who it was by, but I was just like huge light bulb moment. Um, and so some of the differences that I see are that like, I've never really done a launch for work brighter. Uh, really ever Um, like not especially not I mean like I've launched and announced it but I've never done a launch in terms of what we talk about when we what we think of with uh, most like online businesses and online courses Mm -hmm. Um, like the original interest list wasn't made through like Facebook ads or a lead magnet or anything it was just based off of um, who was clicking on all of like the self-care focused posts in the newsletter. And that was an interest list. And I emailed them and was like, Hey, I have this thing. Want to try it? Um, And a lot of the initial, uh, a lot of the initial members came from like personal invites and conversations or literally that one email. Like I was going to write more and do more of a launch, but then the beta was full. Um, And since then, yeah, uh, since that original beta, I uh, memberships are ongoing. Um, I do kind of do campaigns, but where it'll be like, I'll um, like, for example, right now I'm working on a bundle of Airtable templates for uh, self-care and just kind of personal stuff and uh, making that available inside the clubhouse. And so outside of the clubhouse, I'm doing a lot of content and starting conversations around Airtable and saying, you know, by the way, um, I can let you know when these are going to be available inside the clubhouse. And I'm just really um, focused on ongoing marketing versus open and close launch models. Uh, And that's definitely from my experience in the SaaS industry. It took me a really long time to even understand the open close launch model uh, because of my background, because I'm used to coming from a place where our customer lands on our website and wants the solution we're offering now. Uh, So we need to have a way for them to get it. Um, And so we're still obviously thinking about the customer journey and, um, and the sales funnel or flywheel or whatever you want to call it, um, but in a way that gives the customers much more control, I feel like, than in the open, close, or strict sales funnel model where most of the time someone goes to your website and can't even buy your program. Um, So that's definitely something. um, I definitely think it takes a lot of membership owners and course owners a while to kind of learn what they need to learn about retention and churn. Also, it's easy to think I've had the sale, so I have the sale. Uh, But with membership sites, it's definitely not true. And that's definitely not true with software either. And when I first uh, started at uh, at the startup that really influenced my online business the most, uh, their main focus was reducing churn. So I kind of learned that lesson before I even had my own business that needed it. Mm. This is fascinating to me because um, when we switched to a subscription model, I was very much on the same page as you thinking like, okay, I'm going to market this business like a SaaS company. And um, that was what I was most interested in at the time, even though I had been running a launch model based business for eight years. Um, (laughs) And I, I, and I love the way that you're approaching things. And I think it is so, 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 so smart. And I thought I was so, so, so smart (laughs) at the time too. (laughs) What I've learned is what is exactly what you said though, which is you knew how to run 
a SaaS marketing campaign, right? You yeah. knew how SaaS businesses marketed. Uh, you knew how to reduce churn. You knew how to keep that ongoing urgency. You knew that when people want the product, they want the product, all of those kinds of things. <laughs> and what has occurred to me over the last couple of months is that, you know what? I know how to run a launch-based <laughs> business. <laughs> And so we're actually going back to an open and closed enrollment um, because that's what's worked for me in the past is what I know how to do best. And I've got two years of proving to myself that I don't really know how to run a SaaS marketing company as much yeah. as I would like to. Um, and it's not that it's not that it's been bad, but it just, you know, it never had that. It never really synced up with where our customers are at, with where I'm at, with what we're good at as a team. Um, and so I love that we can have these two very different approaches for the exact same reason. And they um, both, and they're both perfect for us because they both draw on our past experiences. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's such a great takeaway for people listening too, because, you know, maybe you come from a doing business in a way where it was all world, word of mouth. Why would you switch to Facebook ads when you could keep doing business all word of mouth or, yeah. you know, networking or whatever it might be? draw on what you know. I think that's that's such a smart strategy and one that is very overlooked. Okay, as we start to wrap up here, um, even though I could keep this conversation going for hours, um, I would love for you to kind of run down what the revenue model looks like for you at this point. You've mentioned some courses, you've mentioned the membership site. How do those things work together? What all do you have for sale at any given time? Can you just kind of give us the rundown on that? Sure thing. So it's very diversified since I'm really influenced by uh, the book Content Inc. by Joe Polizzi. It's another thing that I read before I even had a business. So then once I did, I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Um, so right now, the I actually retired the course sort of that it's still available, but inside the membership. So now that's another way that I am pushing people into the course on an ongoing basis. Um, but so I have the membership. And the only other thing that I have publicly for sale is a workbook that's just kind of a small taste of the membership. And it's a quick $20 thing. Um, and that's positioned, you know, kind of where the tripwire would normally go like on mm -hmm. the thank you page, but I'm not like, giving it a discount or, you know, I'm not doing a lot of like the, again, really funnel focused stuff on it. I'm just saying like, Hey, if you want the work writer approach to productivity, here's a taste. Um, so I have that. Um, I've also, um, I have some affiliate marketing going on an ongoing basis, just like on the website, um, mostly for software products, um, and different tools that I recommend. Um, and in the past I have had sponsors here and there for the newsletter. And I really would like to explore, that more uh, this year, as well as a paid newsletter offering. Gotcha. So it's almost kind of like a hub and spoke kind of revenue exactly. model. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. That makes tons of sense. So basically the main offer is the membership. You've got the workbook almost as one of another one of those spokes where people are going to buy that. But the idea is that then they come back and they buy the membership. So it's just another way in the door. Um, smart. And then the affiliate marketing and sponsors kind of fills things out. Uh, how much does the membership cost right now? $30 a month. Awesome. And how much is the workbook? Uh, $20. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing all that. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, like I said, we do have to start wrapping things up. So I'm curious, what 
what is coming down the line for you this year? I mean, you've made, had such an evolution to this point. I'm sure that there are things on your radar, new new projects or new evolutions of how you're doing things. What are you excited about coming down the line in the next nine to 12 months? Um, I'm really excited about starting to create more content. Uh, I launched the YouTube channel for WorkWriter yesterday, actually. Nice. Yeah, so that'll be exciting. And I really love video uh, since I get to be like wacky and pull on my my experience just being kind of a, a ham on stage and on camera. Um, so I plan to do kind of teaching, but also some more really fun, creative entertainment type stuff on there. Um, also, like I said, I'm working on a bundle of Airtable and Notion templates for the clubhouse. And that's uh um, part of something that I'm really focused on is that I don't want the resources in the clubhouse to be just education. I also want to be providing the tools to implement. Uh, so whether that's like templates instead of PDF cheat sheets, you know, I want it to be things that people can actually like take and put into their accounts and project management systems. Uh, so I'm working on uh, creating like kind of these tools and templates for stuff. And I really want to add some type of book feature or content to the clubhouse. Um, I don't know what that is, but I just know we already talk about books in the clubhouse mm. so much that it would make sense to have some sort of organized feature. Um, and then on the personal brand side of things, just really changing a lot um, and trying to, it even feels uncomfortable to say, but just like move into more of the thought leader space after eight years of being the one implementing. Uh, so I'm trying to do more speaking at, at conferences and stuff like that and rebranding my website to focus more on the digital products and consulting. And right now I'm trying to decide if I'm going to try to write a book this year or not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, Brittany, this has been a fascinating conversation. I am so thrilled to have gotten into a peek at gotten a peek at how Workbrighter has evolved, how it got started, and what you're doing next with it. So thank you so much for this um, really transparent and awesome conversation. Thanks for having me. Find out more about Brittany Berger and Workbrighter at workbrighter.co. Get access to even more candid conversations about what really makes a small business work today by joining the What Works Network. Try it out free when you join before Friday, April 26th, 2019. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash network to find out more. This episode was produced by Sean McMullen. It was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find more episodes of What Works at explorewhatworks.com. <laughs>